الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا ليبلونكم الله بشيء من الصيد تناله ايديكم ورماحكم ليعلم الله من يخافه بالغيب وقال تعالى في مقام اخر الف لام م احسب الناس ان يتركوا ان يقولوا امنا وهم لا يفتنون صدق الله العظيم often start off the discussion with that this dunya is a test and Allah Ta'ala repeatedly reminds us of this test in the Quran Sharif and in every step that a person takes at every step that he takes this is something that we have to bear in mind that this is a test in the Quran Sharif in one ayat Allah Ta'ala addresses the believers the sahaba were the direct recipients of this so allah taala said to them that oh you who believe layabluwannakum allah bi shay'in min as-sayd when a person is in a state of ihram he is going for hajj or going for umrah now in those days this used to be a lengthy journey often it was by foot or by some conveyance in the form of either a camel or a horse so generally this is how people would travel and from Madinah Munawwara to Makkah Mukarramah this journey would take approximately 25 days 25 days in that zamana through these deserts and then the person has to carry provisions sometimes those provisions would run out something would run short all these kind of things happen often en route people would have to now make some means of finding food that would often be by means of hunting they would hunt some animal and that would be their food now when a person is in a state of ihram then hunting is not permissible So now from just outside Madinah Munawwara so that probably is like half a day's journey they are tying ihram from Bire Ali and now they are proceeding to Makkah Mukarramah it's a lengthy journey and in this lengthy journey now one of the important things is food then the other thing is that this was part of their life that they would have to hunt for food so hunting was part of their life it wasn't a sport unlike nowadays unfortunately something or the other has to be some pastime some kind of amusement some kind of thing that becomes a hobby as we call it so if that hobby is whatever it may be well person now is so pass his time with that is killing something is killing it 
So this wasn't for the sake of amusement. It wasn't for the sake of some pastime. This was something that was out of need for food. So Allah has made it permissible. So in any case, this was part of their life. And when they would see some animal of prey, it would be like almost impossible to let it pass because now this will be food. And they were expert hunters. So Allah Ta'ala is now saying to them that look, you are going to be in ihram. And when you are in ihram, to hunt is not permissible. So now we are going to test you. Generally, person now, he is walking somewhere and the slightest sound of his footstep, that animal of prey would hear it from a distance and it will flee even further. Let alone hear his sound, it will get its woof of this person's scent and it will already flee. It would be a major task to track it, to find it, to hunt it down. Sometimes it might be easier, but generally not the case. Generally he's going to have to make quite an effort to go and hunt it down. Now in the ihram, Allah is saying that you're going to be tested. How are you going to be tested? لَيَبْلُوَنَّكُمُ اللَّهُ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ السَّيْدِ Allah says he's going to test you with some animals of prey. And how? يَنَالُهُ أَيْدِيكُمْ وَرِمَاحُكُمْ That now when you are in the state of ihram, you'll find that these animals will come so close that let alone needing to use an arrow. Now one is something at a distance. So in that zamana, it was the bow and arrow. So something that's at a far distance, they would shoot an arrow at it and those arrows would really go to a really great distance. And they were experts at this and their strength, we can't even probably pull that arrow properly, that, that bow properly. So the Sadiq Nabi Waqqas on the occasion of Uhud, in the battle of Uhud, in that one battle, he shot about a thousand arrows. Oh, around a thousand arrows, can we imagine his strength? In any case, now something is far away, you're going to have to use the bow and arrow. Allah Ta'ala is saying that this will be so close now, that if you just throw your spear at it, now the spear won't go too far. The arrow will go five times, ten times the distance. The spear will be something within close range. See, so it will become so close that if you throw your spear too, you'll get it. Let alone your spear. Some would even be within hand's reach. Now when the person is not in a haram, then that he is getting its slightest his slightest scent also from a distance and fleeing. Now when he is in ihram, it is within hand's reach. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, this will happen. And this happened. That now as they are travelling, all around they can see suddenly these animals of prey. And this was something in their blood, so to say. That you see something that moves, which is permissible to eat, you shoot it down. Because this will be a means of food. So Allah Ta'ala says this will happen, that this will come within hand's reach and within the range of your spears. Why? Now that you're in ihram and when you can't hunt it down, all this is in hand's reach. لِيَعْلَمَ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَخَافُهُ بِالْغَيْبِ Allah Ta'ala wishes to know. Allah Ta'ala knows everything. 
Allah doesn't need to investigate something to know it. But Allah wishes to make it apparent. Make it obvious. Make it clear to anyone and everyone. May yakhafuhu bil ghayb. That who, fear, who fears Allah Ta'ala, even when he is alone, when nobody is watching, when he is out of sight, who's fear, who fears Allah Ta'ala? So Allah Ta'ala is fully aware, but Allah Ta'ala wishes to now make this apparent. That look, this is right in hand's reach, but now the person is haram, is not permissible, he is not touching it. So what is this giving us this message? This was in that time, in this manner. Allah Ta'ala made it apparent that look, certain things will come so close which are not permissible. But there you reach out to it. And those who will pass this, this is real success. The real success is not that the person has saved himself from getting, so to say, in the work of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala in doing amal of deen and he managed to now do what he wanted he decided he wanted to do, do something quietly he got away with it so he feels he's successful or even in the permissible things of dunya he managed to amass a lot that is success the yardstick by which to judge, judge success everybody's will be different means is very different one sahabi Jabbar bin Salama radiallahu ta'ala somebody asked him how did you accept Islam what became the thing that motivated you what brought you into deen so he says one statement one statement brought you into deen he says yes I attacked one Muslim and I was still not in Islam I attacked a Muslim Muslim Sahabi Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu ta'ala so he says I attacked him and I attacked him with my spear. When I attacked him, I caused the spear from behind him. I attacked him so violently that the spear came out through the other side. And this was obviously now his death. So the blood was gushing down, gushing out. And he's obvious, he also saw it, that these are my last moments. There's no way that I'm going to now survive this. So as the blood was gushing out, he collected that blood in his hand and he passed it over his face and he said one statement he said Fuztu wa Rabbil Kaaba Fuztu wa Rabbil Kaaba by the Qasam of the Rabb of the Kaaba Sharif I have become successful he says I was totally dumbfounded I have actually taken this person's life he is now going to be losing his life his children are going to become orphan, his wife is going to become a widow, all the things that he had gathered in dunya in terms of his material possessions, he's going to be now separated from it all. He was, if he had the opportunity, he would have overpowered me, but I overpowered him, so outwardly he is unsuccessful and I have succeeded. So everything is negative on his side. Apparently, everything is negative on his side. And he's so elated now that he got successful. What is his success all about? He should be saying that he failed. What is he crying about that he got successful? So he says, this struck me. This struck my heart. And in any case, he passed away. 
I later on inquired from somebody that what success is he talking about? After this battle was over, I asked a person, some Muslim, that this is what happened, this is the statement this person made as he was giving his life, what success is he talking about? He says, you are judging him by the terms of what is in dunya, what got left behind. He is looking at what is ahead. And in the light of what is ahead, this is all in the Hadith Sharif it comes that when a person gets to Jannah, he will realize that one, the amount of space it takes to put a whoop. Now, that was something it was in hand to the, to, when they would ride their horses and their camels, they would have a whoop in their hand. So this was the example hadith, in the Hadith Sharif. Because this is something that was in front of them all the time. That that whoop, how much space does that take? Very narrow space. But actually what it refers to is, that when a person would come to a place now, and he would now, uh, this would, now he's traveling, they stop at a space, so a person now needed some space for his resting space. So he would throw his whoop down. That would mean that much space is now reserved for him. How much of space he can put his bedding in. So that much of space in Jannat is better than this whole world and what it contains. So this person is looking ahead that by giving his life for Allah Ta'ala, he's attained this everlasting Jannat. So what is this what he left behind? This is nothing. He's gained real success because now Alhamdulillah he's gone on Iman. See, is that now explanation when I got that brought me into Iman also. So success, everybody's yardstick is different. But the real yardstick is that which is going to be of reality, the eternal life. Otherwise these perishable things, this cannot become success if it's going to perish one day. So any case, this is dunya. The dunya will be a place of test all the time. And what is impermissible, what is forbidden, sometimes that will come at hand's reach. Like how in the case of Ihram, in the state of Ihram, these animals were now impermissible. Normal circumstances wasn't a problem. State of Ihram impermissible now is coming within hand's reach. So these incidents that took place were actually principles. They were giving us the guidance that look this will happen till Qiyamah in different forms, in different ways. It always won't be in the same manner. But this will happen. That haram will come within hand's reach. Haram deal will come right in front. Person is trying sometimes to do it the right way, it just doesn't seem to be working out. And the haram is just coming in front of him. He's being offered one after the other the haram deals. And the halal deals he's chasing after it, just doesn't seem to work out. But after all, what is this dunya all about? Is this dunya the place to amass dunya or this place is to pass this test of ak- to get to akhirat safely? So this will happen. Haram will come when a person is now outwardly alone, outwardly alone. Allah Ta'ala is watching all the time. And the angels of Allah Ta'ala also there with him. But he's alone in terms of the company of insan. So now all the haram will be at his hand's reach. All the haram will now test him. And nowadays this test has grown dramatically. In so many different ways a person is tested all the time. That hell phone will test him. All the temptations will come to just press buttons, that's all. Doesn't have to go anywhere, doesn't have to spend anything further, well whatever he might, Allah knows. But now that will be there, the temptation will be there. 
Then these times, like the present time of the year, all these various situations will come about. Everything will seem perfectly fine for him. Everything seems available. He may do as he wishes. But Allah Ta'ala wishes to see May Yakafuhu Bil Who is true? In the other the ayat that of the Quran Sharia that we recited, Allah Ta'ala asks the question. That do people think that they will say Amanna that we have brought Iman and they won't be tested about it? They'll just be left on their statement alone? No, they'll be tested. Allah Ta'ala says we tested people before. We will test them also. Allah Ta'ala wants to know, Allah Ta'ala knows, wants to make it apparent also. That who are the truthful ones? Who are truthful to their word? They made a statement, made a claim, they are genuine. Now we are all insan, insan is insan. But if the person has the goal in front of him, then he will continue moving in that direction. He will do what it takes to get, make sure that he gets there safely. If he has to put some pressure on his nafs to make sure that he gets there safely, he will do that. He needs to sanction himself in some way, he needs to discipline himself in some way. If he slipped and fell, he will clean himself, but he'll now discipline himself also. He won't just take it lying down. Al Sahal bin Abdullah Tastari Rahmatullah, great personality of his time, great Wali of Allah Ta'ala, he left for Hajj. When he left for Hajj, the last thing that he owned before he left, the last thing that he owned, now this is not this is not a masla, and it's not for anybody else to just start doing the same thing. This is a person of that caliber. So he did this. That before he left, the last possession that he owned, he sold everything. Sold everything, and the money that he realized, he gave that away in sadqa. And now he left for hajj. Purely on the trust in Allah. Ta'ala. So in any case, as we said that this is not for others to emulate. For others, Allah Ta'ala says, take your provisions along. Somebody who's at that caliber, that maqam, it's a different thing. So any case now, en route, now this nafs is telling him, look, already you traveled so far, and I didn't make any demands on you. Now you've come already one third of the way, so just some fish now, craving for some fish. There's nothing haram about fish. But now he had made a certain decision that he is not going to indulge in anything, indulge this nafs in anything. It's just going to be on the bare basic necessities just to keep himself living and carry on. So he's not going to eat anything of luxury, anything, indulge in anything. Not that it's haram, permissible. But now this nafs is repeatedly putting this pressure on him. So in any case he came one spot and he looked around, he sees one person, he's got this camel which is going around this mill, this grinding mill. Now those days the grinding mill, this was something done manually. So generally they would use some animal and they would tie that yoke to the animal, the animal would keep walking around and this will turn that mill. So it will grind the flour and whatever else, the seed, the grain. So he looked at this, so he went to the person and he asked him that if you, this animal of yours that is tied here, and doing this job. 
if you had to hire it out to somebody, how much you'll earn? So he said, well, bring two dirhams a day. So he said to him, okay, why don't you do this? Hire this animal out for one day, for two dirhams. So he said, I'm going to hire the animal out, I'll get two dirhams, fine. Who's going to turn this mill? I need to grind, this, this is my job. He says, okay, if I do this job for you for one whole day, will you give me one dirham? <coughs> so he says, subhanallah, very well, I'll hire the camel out to somebody else, I'll get two dirhams, and this mill will turn around for one dirham, I still got one dirham profit. So he says, very well, tomorrow you're on. So the next day he came, so the next day this person had already found one customer to hire the camel out for two dirhams, and for the whole day this person now turned that mill grinding the flour and I said, imagine an animal is doing this job, now for a human being how much more strenuous this would be. No. So the whole day this carried on turning that mill, he carried on turning that mill. <laughs> At the end of the day he got his one dirham. So now that one dirham he could afford that fish. So he bought the fish and ate it. And then he said to his nafs, that now next time you want the same thing, you'll have to grind the mill again, turn the mill again. He said, Jazakallah, this is enough, we'll have the dry bread and water and carry on with life. <laughs> Now, nothing was haram about it, so it's perfectly permissible, but he had made a certain decision. And now when this nafs was taking him to break this resolve, so he disciplined it. And when he disciplined it, then he stayed from that day till the time he made hajj, that nafs didn't make one demand on him. Right? That's within himself. So imagine for something halal, not impermissible, something halal, but because he needed, he had a certain goal, he wanted to reach a certain position, certain status in the court of Allah Ta'ala. He wanted a certain degree of closeness. So to get that certain degree of closeness, he was prepared to put himself through this very severe and stringent mujahada. And then when the nafs started taking him a little bit away from that, not towards haram, permissible, but little away from his resolve of that higher level, so he disciplined that nafs, that you will come into place. What about that nafs which takes us towards haram and repeatedly drops us from the gaze of Allah Taala? repeatedly causes us to break our resolve with Allah Taala that He is our Rabb and we are going to be forever obedient to Him. That takes us away from the obedience of Allah Taala into the obedience of shaitan. So when that nafs has taken us away from Allah Ta'ala, does that nafs not require disciplining? Does it not require to be sanctioned? Does it not require to be put through some pain so that it will refrain from the wrong again for the next time? But this is how these people restrain themselves, discipline themselves. So that's how they pass this test. The test was there for everybody in different ways, different forms. Nobody was without a test. But how they handled it, this is what made them pass the test. We also have the challenges, we also have the tests, the form might be different, the situation might seem different, but at the end of the day it's still a test, like it was a test for them. How they passed, we will pass in the same way. We will have to put that pressure on the nafs. If the nafs has now caused us to slip, we'll have to put that discipline it, put that pain on it. 
and in that way once twice a person may fall but if he has maintained that in time this will become very simple very easy all the time he will now develop this consciousness Allah Ta'ala is aware of what's going on Allah Ta'ala is watching tomorrow on the day of Qiyamah I will have to answer to Allah Ta'ala here in dunya I can get away maybe but for how long? very often not even for long in dunya akhirat is obvious akhirat is 100% but very often not even in dunya that a person can continue getting away for long Allah Ta'ala gives a lot of respite Allah Ta'ala gives very great amount of respite but when a person sins on the basis that later I will make Tawbah that is very dangerous what is a person slipped up in a moment of weakness he just fell but the, and then he immediately with a lot of remorse, a lot of regret made Tawbah, came back to Allah Ta'ala so that inshallah person will get saved and he'll move forward but where there's a premeditated system carrying on all the time premeditating sin, planning and a person is thinking that well time will carry on, we'll worry about Tawbah later no worry Tawbah now now you're going to live life to the full this is very dangerous as many times we discuss this that then sometimes it becomes a situation where even the tawfiq of Tawbah then gets taken away that thought also doesn't cross the person's mind initially he was thinking okay I'll make Tawbah later then he doesn't even think about Tawbah it doesn't even cross his mind Allah forbid then life suddenly goes in that manner so all the time to be conscious the akhirat is coming no matter what person may be in any authority may be in any capacity whatever he may be whoever he may be all the time to keep this in front and in the past people were always reminded in different ways according to the person's capacity according to the person's position and status he too was reminded there was one person who was the Amir of his time Hakam bin Abdul Rahman he was among the Umayyah dynasty and now when he became the ruler some time passed he decided to build a big palace for himself he decided to build this palace so he went around looking for some suitable place suitable land found one land found the most suitable this is the land but now part of that land was belonging to one widow poor widow and she had a little shack on it she was living there he said well you know what the ruler wants to now build his house here you sell this off to him he said it belongs to me I don't want to sell it this is my place this is where I live I'm entitled not to sell so when she refused to sell they forcefully took her out and he started building his house his palace now what does this poor woman do she came to the Qazi and she complained this is what has happened this land belongs to me my little shack was there I've been forcefully removed the Qazi said to her that look just make a little bit sabr but I will I will sort your matter out but for now just make a little bit sabr made some arrangement for her whatever it was any case in quick time this palace was now getting built so this Qazi was a very intelligent person he waited for an opportune moment and he was keeping himself informed he was told that tomorrow this Amir, this ruler he is going to be going to visit the place and see how everything is going so the moment, the time when this ruler came in 
the Sazi sahab also, he reached at the same time with a donkey and on the donkey was like some bag, big bag like how we have bags in which we have cement or whatever else, now this was a biggish bag in which they would uh, put sand, load sand in it. So he came there and he, this little bag, this bag that was on the donkey's back, he took it down and then he asked this Amir, he says, I want some permission to take some sand from here. So he says, very well, as a Qazi, he's a prominent person, whatever it is, why is this person now asking for sand here now at this time, who comes and asks for sand now? But nevertheless now he's a senior person, so the king out of respect for him, he said, fine, take some sand. So he started putting the sand into this bag, filled it up. After he filled it up, now he's asked now, everybody standing and watching there, what's going on with the Qazi Sahib? Qazi Sahib is coming, filling sand here from somebody's land. So in any case, after he filled it up, so he told this Amir of all people now, everybody standing there, telling, please will you help me to load it onto the donkey. So he thought it's some kind of joke. So he thought, let, since he's now joking in some way, so let me try and amuse him too. So he t- tried to come and help him, but now, this, he never carried anything heavy in his life to start off with. And now this was sand, dead weight, and this is filled. So he couldn't even just make it even shift from his place, even by one small fraction. So now when he's struggling, and it's obvious he's not even managing to make any effect on it, let alone lift it up. So the Stazi Sahib at that time spoke and said, that you can't carry this one bag of sand, the day of Qiyamah, how are you going to carry this whole land? Because in the Hadith Sharif it comes, that if a person has taken somebody's one hand stand of land, even that much, unjustly, then that will be made a necklace around his neck on the day of Qiyamah. She says, you can't carry this one bag, how are you going to carry this whole land tomorrow on the day of Qiyamah? This struck this person's heart and he realized the zulm he had done. He realized the injustice. And he immediately said, look, this whole, whatever this thing has now been ready or almost ready, this whole thing as soon as it's done, this whole thing ready, give it to that widow back. With all the things that are already in here, give it to her as a gift. Yes. But what became the motivating factor, this consciousness of Akhirat. That the day of Qiyamah is coming. In dunya, it may appear that certain things we can do and get away with, now is the time to just make merry, everybody is enjoying themselves, so I should get left out. No, this is a time when people are in ghaflat, this is a time to make more ibadat. The rewards are increased also. In Hayatul Sahaba there is an incident of two people met, two friends met in the marketplace, in the bazaar. Now the bazaar, in the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that it is the most detested of all places in the sight of Allah Ta'ala. Most detested meaning of places that are permissible to be in. It's permissible out of need, but it is still detested, most detested by Allah Ta'ala. Because it's a place of ghaflat, it's a place of heedlessness, it's a place where people get totally neglectful of Allah Ta'ala. So these two people met, when they met, so one friend said to the other, that ta'al nastaghfirullaha fi ghaflatin nas. Come let us seek Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, let us remember Allah Ta'ala, while everybody else here is heedless, unmindful, let us turn to Allah Ta'ala. So in any case, they made some istighfar, remembered Allah Ta'ala, then each one went his way. Sometime later, one of them passed away. After he passed away, the other saw him in a dream. 
So he asked him that what happened, how did, how did things go with you? So he says, do you know that Allah Ta'ala forgave us that day that we met in the bazaar and remembered him when everybody else was heedless. Oh. That that moment when people were in ghaflat and we turned to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala loved that. That a person is remembering Allah Ta'ala when all around people are getting distanced away from Him. So these are moments to become even closer to Allah Ta'ala. These are opportunities to turn to Allah Ta'ala and gain His special Rahmat. What is happening outside that is not in our control. But we are in our control. We have to worry about how we control ourselves. And we control ourselves by bringing ourselves closer to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala loves this dearly. And this takes a person at high speed towards Allah Ta'ala. In one hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says to the Sahaba that inna min wara'ikum ayyam as-sabr that later on in time there will be the days of sabr and the person in that zamana who will hold on to his deen properly will be like a person holding on to a live ember. In other words, he will have to really make sabr. But then, according to the amount of difficulty that the person takes for Allah Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala rewards in the same manner Nabi Islam says that when that time comes the person who will make amal and who will stay steadfast on deen he will get 50 the reward of 50 people one person making amal he will get the reward of 50 people's amal so the sahaba inquired 50 people of that zamana or 50 of us Nabi Islam said no khamsina min kum 50 of you, 50 of the reward of Sahaba, he'll get in that zamana. Because the time would come when you would have to make so much of sabr, but that sabr he will make, Allah Ta'ala will reward accordingly. But really, Allah Ta'ala has made things so easy for us. What difficulty is it? If there's any difficulty, it's just in our minds. That difficulty is just in our minds, nothing else. If we just redirect our minds correctly, nothing is difficult. Some small little challenges come here and there, but it is nothing compared to the challenges that Allah Ta'ala protected us from which others face. Allah Ta'ala keep us in afiyat. Allah Ta'ala keep us steadfast on deen and save us from all the challenges of dunya and deen. Allah Ta'ala make it such that without any difficulty we reach Allah Ta'ala. But for this we have to just maintain that few things that we are required to do. Stay away from those things that distract us from Allah Ta'ala wa Ta'ala. And then dunya and akhirat is ours. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana ala alhamdulillahi rabbil alam. Sharif. 
ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم ثبتنا على الايمان وامتنا على الايمان واحشرنا يوم القيامه مع الايمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب الينا الايمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره الينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان واجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم انا نسالك العفو والعافيه والمعافاه الدائمه في الدين والدنيا والاخره والفوز بالجنه والنجاه من النار والفوز بالجنه والنجاه من النار والفوز بالجنه والنجاه من النار اله العالمين يا الله ومسمسف المسكين مسغريشس موس لافينغ الله Ya Allah forgive us ya Allah ya Allah forgive us ya Allah ya Allah forgive us ya Allah ya Allah forgive all our major and minor sins ya Allah ya Allah forgive our families ya Allah forgive our friends and relatives ya Allah ya Allah forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ilahu alamin ya Allah show your maghfirat on the ummah ya Allah ya Allah show your rahmat on the ummah ya Allah ya Allah remove the suffering of the ummah ya Allah ilahu alamin ya Allah keep us steadfast on deen ya Allah save us from all the fitna and fasad ya Allah save us from the traps of nafs and shaitan ya Allah ilahu alamin ya Allah keep us in the shade of your mercy ya Allah ya Allah save us from ya Allah getting involved in all the fitna ya Allah ilahu alamin ya Allah only with your protection can we be saved ya Allah ya Allah we are too weak ya Allah ya Allah don't test us ya Allah ya Allah don't test us ya Allah ya Allah save us from all the tests ya Allah ilahu alamin without the challenges and tests ya Allah ya Allah you give us ya Allah total success ya Allah give us success in dunya and akhirat ya Allah ilahu alamin ya Allah you grant us your pleasure ya Allah 
you grant us your raza, ya Allah. Grant us your pleasure, ya Allah. Allah, if you are pleased, everything we have, ya Allah. Allah, if you are displeased, we have nothing, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, you become pleased with us, ya Allah. Allah, you become pleased with us, ya Allah. Allah, you become pleased with us, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah, you guide us, ya Allah. Allah, guide us, ya Allah. Allah, guide the entire ummah, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah, save us from all the deviations, ya Allah. Save us from all the isms, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah, you guide us to that which Rasulullah, Allah, Allah, invited, ya Allah. Allah, you keep us steadfast from the Quran and Sunnah, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah. Ya Allah, you enable us to perform our five times salah with jama'ah, ya Allah. Grant us khushu and khudu in our salah, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah. You enable us to perform the salah in the way that you are pleased with, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah. Enable us to recite the Quran Sharif daily, ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the topic of making zikr and dua daily, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah. Save us from all the haram, ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the eyes, ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the ears and tongue, ya Allah. From the sins of the hands and feet, ya Allah. Ya Allah, purify our hearts, ya Allah. Purify our hearts of all sin, ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, grant us the muhabbat of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And give us the muhabbat of the Quran Sharif, ya Allah. Give us the muhabbat of salah, ya Allah. The muhabbat of zikr and dua, ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, ya Allah. Give us the love of deen, ya Allah. The love of the effort of deen, ya Allah. Allah, use us in our generations to come for the effort of deen, ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, ya Allah. All those who are sick, give them shifai kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Allah, remove every trace of the illness, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, all those are in difficulties and hardships, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, all those who have passed away, fill their covers with nur, Ya Allah. Make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Allah, at the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Allah, take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah. Allah, take us at the time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from death in a condition of sin, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from death in a place of sin, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from death, Ya Allah, in a bad way, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, Ya Allah. You keep us far away from all places of sin, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all the good that Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi begged for. Ya Allah, we also begging for all that good, Ya Allah. Whatever Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi sought refuge from, Ya Allah, grant us protection as well, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب